It is Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show, which means we're about to get into our Bible study, 28 million, 20 million movement, 20 million people around the world studying the same passage of the Bible at the same time. You get to be a part of it right here on Faith FM. Before we do, we have a question for our quiz. We also have text messages. We're going to hear what you've been saying about the first half of the show. And a quick reminder, you're listening to the Double L team this morning, Lyle and Lawson. Lawson, give us a question for the quiz. Fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. Oh, blank. And see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. 0491 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you will go into the draw to win our amazing books that we are giving away this week. Keywords for the Christian Faith by Rainda Bruinsma. I Have a Future by Rainda Bruinsma. And He Comes by Rainda Bruinsma. We'll give all of these Bruinsma books to you for free. All you have to do is answer these questions correctly and give us a call or a text on 0491 But again, that question was, oh, blank, and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. All right, let's go to our text messages for today. Braden says this, youth crime 78% fall? Question mark, question mark, question mark. I'm having a hard time believing that. Not exactly what the Bible says about the last days. I would say it has more to do with the police. Oh, no, this is not from Braden. This is from Raphael, sorry. Um, This is more to do with the police not arresting the minors as they used to, especially for minor crimes. You can do amazing things with statistics. It would be nice if it's true. Mm. So a little bit of scepticism coming through there, Lawson. Yeah, fair enough. I I mean, this this is the thing. I think... Again, I said this, but I feel like the arrest statistics give us a good idea because ultimately when there's less arrests, there's less convictions of crimes, right? Because you can only I don't think the arrest statistics are gonna really help us. I think the the one that the one statistic that I found the most helpful was the murder statistic. Yeah. But that was a specific like a, being arrested for murder. Yes. Yeah. But uh, like an overall, yeah, sure. But again, in the area of crimes that are firstly like uh, like on-site arrestable, like murder, it also mentioned sexual crimes there as well, like, you know, various different <laughs> sexual crimes that people get arrested mm, for. That's it's, also, got me puzzled. it's got me puzzled. It's also decreasing. I, I read what the Bible says as well. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. But again, the point was is that overall crime mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. increased. Except amongst the youth, which has dropped. What it does show is that we have an amazing missionary opportunity that's amongst right. the youth. That is correct. At the correct. end of the day, that's what we need to focus on. Mm. Uh, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. This one's from Braden. Okay. Mm. But as Satan is attacking families so strongly, I wonder how long this decrease in crime can continue. Mm. Interesting point. Vincent, uh, in relation to that story about the FBI, is like, yeah, the FBI. Um, <laughs> interesting one there. Coming back to uh, Raphael, who also commented on the FBI, he said, The FBI raid, welcome to the future for the rest of us, the Department of Justice. What a joke. More like the Department of Nazis. Now, I'm going to stop here for a moment, and I'm going to make my defence of law enforcement, mm-hmm. even though I shared a story that was pretty hectic. Mm. Because I think, Lawson, you raised a really important point uh, in relationship to... In, in, in relationship to the uh, swatting, swatting, yeah. swatting, and there's every possibility this family could have been swatted. 
Yeah. And it just hasn't been recorded in the media because you know how media goes. They will report the parts of the story that they like and not the parts that they don't like. Mm. I do know this, that 99.9% of the time, you know, when the FBI goes out or the police force go out or wherever it goes out to deal with something that is reported as being a dangerous situation, it is a dangerous situation. Mm. And they have protocols and procedures that they have to follow even when it is not a dangerous situation. And so yeah, you, right. you look at some of the procedures that they're following here which are incredibly humiliating. You know, just, just it would be absolutely awful to go through it. But they are following correct procedure and you see those few times now that, you know, uh, badge camps have been invented, you see those times when they don't follow correct procedure and they end up dead. Yeah, that's right. You know, dead on the side of the road, bleeding out beside their squad car. That's not the kind of thing that we want to see. And so, you know, there's some there's some context to this. But mm. at the same time, whether this person was swatted either by the FBI or by somebody down the street, what it serves it as is an illustration of things to come. Mm. Because as Christians, the more and more Christianity becomes on the nose, and Revelation 13 says that that will be the case, mm. the more and more Christians become vulnerable to things like swatting. Mm. And if you missed the story, swatting is where you do a false report that somebody has... Uh, that there's a hostage situation in such and such a house and That's the SWAT right. will go there and tear the place apart and there's nothing actually mm. happening. Okay. Uh, what demon would give such an order? We don't know. Uh, the frightening thing is that they are actually in charge of the FBI. FBI. It's done to frighten all those, especially Christians, who love the truth and justice. This was, this was a normal and demonic thing to do during Nazi Germany against Jews. And we do have situations like this, and somehow I think that we think we have this mindset that, you know, the world was so vastly different 70 years ago. Mm. The human nature was different 70 years ago. That the Germans were somehow a backward race in, they accept, in that they accepted Nazism. No, the Germans were the most intelligent, you know, civilization on the planet, just about. They were, you know, leading the world as far as science and technology mm. and engineering and all of these endeavors go. And yet, the vast majority of them, because of the propaganda that was presented, went down the road of Nazism. We all like to sit back and think that we would be immune today. The simple reality is that if we were living in Nazi Germany, you and I would most, by statistically, you and I would be Nazi supporters. If we would look at the raw statistics. Yeah. Uh, it's just like horrific to even think about it. Mm. But if you look at it from statistics, that's what we all would be. Because we would get caught up into the propaganda, you know, it's it's so easy to do these days. Mm. And particularly in the days of social media where you live in a social media echo box. All your social media does is reinforce the opinions you already have. It does not expose you to new ideas. That's how the algorithms are written because that's how the algorithms keep you scrolling. Mm. All right, so there's my uh, little bit of a rant there in relationship to that story. It's a pretty hectic story, though. It's yeah, just well. like, okay, this is what we face as Christians. Stand up and be counted, preach the truth, and you can expect these kind of things to happen. And, you know, the great thing here, of course, is that no charges were laid, but it's pretty traumatic. Mm. We, we should be expecting trauma 
and a lot more if you're going to read Revelation 13, which you know moves on to actually charges being laid and eventually reaching death penalty status. Mm. Okay. Have we ranted enough about that? I mean, unless people are still asking about it, but... <laughs> uh, text message coming in here as we're speaking. I'm all for law enforcement agencies, but we all have read and seen what they have been doing against Christians the last two and a half years. Satan is the smartest being ever created. Propaganda is run by him. <laughs> Absolutely. is so true right there. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, okay, so this was a text message that came through yesterday that we didn't get time to, but related to the Bible study. We need to move on to our Bible study, so this mm. might be a good uh, in for our, a good segue. Mm-hmm. This one came through from Bruce. It says, love of God, we only really experience it when you pass it on. Mm. You don't really have it unless you share it. Oh, wow. Profound. So love, and this is what we've been, yeah, this is, re, that is absolutely profound. Love is only love when it is expressed. That's right. To exist, it must be expressed. Mm. And to be expressed, that simply means passing it on. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Okay, let's go to our, uh, guess where we're going today. As I have 14. <laughs> <laughs> How did you guess? How did you guess? We've, got we've been going, on a bit of a roll. We, we did mention this yesterday, didn't we? That we was like, I guess what? Guess what's coming up tomorrow? We've done Ezekiel 28. Maybe it will be Isaiah 14 tomorrow. Yeah. It is Isaiah it is, 14. It is tomorrow now and it is Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14 starting in verse 12. Uh, I was going to say starting in verse 1. No. We can start 12. in verse 1 if you like. It's I mean, verse 12. But it's, we, we all know it's we verse We all 12. know it's verse <laughs> We could start in verse 1. In fact, you know what? Yeah. We're going to get some context on this. Mm-hmm. We're going to go back up a few verses here. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. Okay, so let me find some context here. Where does it, it, it talk about it? Where does it talk about it? You mean verse 1? Verse 1? <laughs> the Lord will have mercy on Jacob and will yet choose Israel and set them in their own land, and the strangers shall be joined with them and they shall cleave to the house of Israel. Now, I'm looking for where it talks about Babylon. Here it is, verse 4. Here it is in verse 4. Okay, let's start from verse 4. We're going to start in verse 4. All right. You will taunt the king of Babylon. You will say, the mighty man has been destroyed. Yes, your insolence is ended. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Yesterday when we started, we started in Ezekiel 28. That's right. And when we started in Ezekiel 28, it was about the king of Tyre. Mm. And the first line about the king of Tyre was pretty good. Yeah. Splendid in beauty, it said. Uh huh. I've never had anyone say that about me. Lyle, I'm sorry. I'm just disappointed. But praise the Lord, you probably said that about your wife and now and then you got married. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. Have you used the word splendid? I'm going to have to try that. Yeah. <laughs> My wife is splendid in beauty. Wow. She's smiling through the screen. That's awesome. Go produce a shell. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So we have, um, so it, we, we start off with that and you can imagine the King of Tyre, if he was to read 
this passage in Ezekiel, when he read that verse, he'd be like, oh, that's pretty good. That's sick. That's I'll awesome. take it. Yeah. And then the king of Babylon's like, oh, what does Isaiah have to say about me? And it says, <laughs> take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, yeah. how has the oppressor ceased? The mm. golden city ceased. Hmm. Interesting. What, what, did, what did yours say? Something different. Mine says, The mighty man has been destroyed. Yes, your insolence is end, ended, for the Lord has crushed your wicked power and broken your evil rule. Okay, so here's something interesting. There's every possibility that Nebuchadnezzar read this. Mm. And he'd be wondering, which king of Babylon is that talking about? <laughs> uh, and then, you know, if you continue on down through this, it's... Well, there's a few, there's a few parallels with with Nebuchadnezzar. Mm. The Bible doesn't specify Nebuchadnezzar here, but Nebuchadnezzar's empire did come to an end. Yeah, that's right. But it's interesting as you as you read through and it, again relating it back to Ezekiel, and we find that it references the king of Tyre, but it's actually talking about Satan. It says things like, but in here in Isaiah 14 and verse seven, but finally the earth is at rest and quiet. Now it can sing again. And my thought is, oh, was uh, the destruction of Babylon met with rest and ease and singing for God's people? No. No. Well, actually, there are some parallels. There are some Mm -hmm. definite parallels because the destruction of Babylon resulted in uh, God's people being released to go back to the promised land and to rebuild the temple. So Mm -hmm. there's some very strong parallels right here. Sure. But in terms of, like, definitely, and and I, I believe that's, well, God, like, Isaiah's writing this as an illustration to represent Satan, because we're going to see it very quickly turns that it's talking about Satan. But it's interesting that this parallel is actually a prophecy as well, because this hasn't happened yet. We know that Babylon's destroyed, and as a result, the Medo-Persian army, Medo-Persian empire comes in, and and through the Medo-Persian empire, uh, Israel is then has the ability to restore the city, to which, like, the point that I was trying to make is that, no, they did not find rest after this. Yes, they restored the city, which, you know, was something worth celebrating, but they did not find full restoration, and the earth was definitely not at rest after the destruction of Babylon. No, after the destruction of Babylon, uh, Cyrus was marching south to take on Nabonidus, who had a massive Babylonian army. Yeah, that's right. Like, it's uh, ultimately what we see in history is, oh, no, this is very a very limited... This is a shadow. This is something that's, that's right. you know, representing something that talks about the past, uh, something about that talks about the future in a very it's a limited way. It's a type. It's a type. That's right. But ultimately, again, if we take this then in an, in a, in a, in an ultimate sense, okay, is there a time in which Babylon, which is a symbol in the Bible that's used for religious confusion and evil, is there a time where that is going to be destroyed that will lead to ultimate rest yes. and celebration for God's people. Yes. And the answer is yes, at the very end of time. And then as we read down, then we come to verse 12. Uh, let's not go to verse 12 yet. Let's, 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 we haven't even read verse 6 yet. Oh, what does verse 6 say? You oh, no, no, verse 5. Verse 5. Verse 5. Yeah. Oh, I read verse 5, but we can read it again. For the Lord has crushed your wicked power and broken your evil rule. You struck the people with endless blows of rage and held the nations in your angry grip. With unrelenting tyranny. <laughs> Don't hold back, Isaiah. Yeah. Don't yeah. hold back God. Yeah, yeah. It's coming straight out here. And, you know, there's a number of different ways of applying this passage. 
that we're reading right here. You can apply it to the king of Babylon at that time. You can apply it to Nebuchadnezzar, mm-hmm. which becomes more relevant because Nebuchadnezzar is the one who actually conquers Jerusalem, God's people, mm-hmm. and destroys the temple. And you can apply it to Satan, to Lucifer. Yeah. But again, the leader of Babylon at the end of time. In the ultimate anti-typical sense. It is Satan. It is Satan. Yes. Mm. But it's interesting here, you know, if you're if you were Nebuchadnezzar reading this, and I kind of wonder, you know, when Nebuchadnezzar had the vision of the tree, we have an yes. abbreviated version of that conversation. This was not, you know, you didn't have a court stenographer sitting there writing down that conversation that Nebuchadnezzar had with Daniel or Belteshazzar as he was known at the time, the, the prime minister of Babylon. You don't have a court stenographer writing down everything that was said. You've got Nebuchadnezzar writing his memoirs in his old age before he passes away under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And uh, as a result, you don't have all of the details. You have a very short account of the conversation, which could have been quite an extensive conversation. And it would have been an opportunity for Daniel. We know he was definitely a student of the Bible. Mm. Uh, There's multiple references in the book of Daniel where you find Daniel studying the Bible. Yeah, It would have been an opportunity for him to pull out this particular prophecy here that is 100 years old. And so, yeah, 100 years ago, this is what God said. God said that you would be destroyed. Destroyed. Mm. And, of course, this goes right along with the prophecy that you find in Daniel chapter 2. It's interesting here that it says um, in verse 4, the golden city is ceased Mm. Uh, because the head of gold in the statue of Daniel chapter 2 and the prophecy was a symbol of Babylon. Mm. And the prophecy in Daniel chapter 2 says, after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to you. It mm-hmm. says Babylon will fall. Another kingdom is coming. It will be weaker than yours. Mm. In uh, So you've got the golden city, the head of gold. You've got it coming to an end in both of these. You've got all these parallels coming through here. Then, of course, when Babylon came to an end and the Persians took over, this was a time for the earth to be at rest and to break forth in singing because, well, there was a massive celebration service by those Jews who chose to go back to the Promised Land. That's right. Yeah, you, you can read so about that. lots of parallels here. Lots and lots of parallels all the way down through it. And it says, Who smote the people in wrath with a continual stroke that he ruled the nations in anger is, uh, is persecuted and none hinders. You, you read that verse right there and you ask, okay, that's a description of a psycho. Mm. I mean, seriously. Yeah. They they endeavor to continually <coughs> hurt and conquer. They are never content. There is no mercy here. Mm. And so the question is, was Nebuchadnezzar a bit of a psycho? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar was the kind of person who on regular occasions threatened and on at least one occasion started to execute his entire cabinet, Mm. just kill them all Mm. and their families and their children and their wives and and their their students. And their houses. And and, and burn their houses down. (laughs) And leave them as piles of rubbish. Yes. Because I leave their houses as a pile of rubbish in Babylon so everyone can see what happens when you lie to me. That's right. (laughs) This was how it was done back in the day. He would turn them into an object lesson that would last for a very long time. <laughs> and you've got the most beautiful city in the world, the golden city, the Bible describes <laughs> it. And Nebuchadnezzar, I'm going to have areas, I'm going to have a suburb in this city that is just a pile of ash. Mm-hmm. And everyone will walk in, be walking out past the golden city, through the golden city, and suddenly come to a pile of ash like, 
growing weeds and trees and so forth because he's been there for 40 years. Mm. What's going on here? Mm. It's like, yeah, that's where his cabinet used to live. <laughs> that's this intense. Was this, this was the psycho that he was, and he would do this for a trivial offence. Mm. Like, I had a dream the other night. I want you to tell me what I dreamed. Uh, we can't do that. Okay, I will kill all of you, your family, your wives, your children, your <laughs> students, and turn your houses into a pile of ash. Mm. The guy was a psycho. That's right. No question about it. Let's listen. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We are about to get back to our Bible study. We have another question for our quiz. That's right. Question for the quiz. Who was the father of... Muppum, Huppum, and Ard. I've been waiting all morning for this quiz question. This is this is possibly <laughs> the most unfortunate children who have ever lived. <laughs> okay, who was the father of Muppum, Huppum, and Ard? A. Simeon. B. Benjamin. C. Gad. Or D. Tuppum. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would fit. That would fit. But uh, hey, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text. If you know the answer, you can win our prizes. Keywords: the Christian faith. I have a future, and he comes by Rainda Bruinsma. But again, that question was: Who was the father of Muppum, Huppum, and Ard? A. Simeon. B. Benjamin. C. Gad. Or D. Tuppum. So, Lawson, uh-huh. if you have twins... Dude, Muppum and Huppum, straight up. Yeah. <laughs> Bring back some Bible names, straight right? Straight up, Muppum and Huppum. Yeah. <laughs> oh, not only is that hilarious, but confusing. And it's so hard to say. Yes. Like, Huppum. It's just uh, weird. I mean, you do Muppum. have to wonder. You do have to wonder whether these guys were twins. Uh-huh. And, then and if they odd. were... If they, imagine if these guys were twins and they were identical twins. Mm-hmm. Imagine how confusing that would be. Am I talking to Muppum or Huffum? Oh, that's so funny. 0491 <laughs> is the number to call if you know the answer. We're working our way through Isaiah chapter 14. Mm. We got up to, what, verse 7 was it? Uh, that's right. But finally the earth is at rest and quiet. Now it can sing again. Even the trees of the forest, the cypress trees and the cedars of Lebanon sing out a joyous song. Since you have been cut down, no one will come now to cut us down. Okay, so what was Nebuchadnezzar symbolized by in a tree. a tree. What happened to the tree? It got cut down. And as a result of being cut down, well, the Jewish people were not cut down. Mm. So you've got a lot of parallels running through here. And what's interesting about this prophecy is how it is repeated in the book of Daniel. Mm. Um, and then, how, of course, it's repeated in the, in the story of Nebuchadnezzar, who, who did actually uh, go insane for mm. seven years. Mm. And then his kingdom was restored to him at the end of that. All right, was it, verse 8, was it? Uh, I just read verse 8. Let's read verse 9. In the place of the dead, there is excitement over your arrival. The spirits of the world leaders and mighty kings, long dead, stand up to see you. With one voice, they all cry out, Now you are as weak as we are. Your might and power were buried with you. The sound of the harp in your palace has ceased. Now maggots are your sheet. And worms are your blanket. 
Okay, so is this a situation where this is literally what is happening? Uh, the kings of the earth literally hanging out to see Nebuchadnezzar come down to them? Well, as we saw before, like, Nebuchadnezzar's like, represented in his dream as a tree. Yes. Again, symbolic. Yes. We see the, the, the symbols here of the tree. And it's symbols like, of gold, symbols of the tree. That's right. And so we see here as well, this is symbolic. It's symbolic poet, poetic prophecy. That's Very right. poetic, though, because, I mean, it does certainly build a word picture, doesn't it? Particularly when you've got... Uh... <laughs> your, your sheet is maggots and your, your bed is worms. Oh, it's your blankets. Your pomp is brought down to the grave and the noise of thy vials. The worm is spread under you and the worms cover you. And, you know, that's kind of how... That's a that's a picture that would not have been uncommon back in the day where you have uh, an agrarian society and also a society which had a much lower value on human life, mm. uh, particularly the life of, you know, the poorer classes. You would... This was a society in which you would see dead bodies that had been unburied. mm and you would see and smell and the worms and, you know, it would be something that somebody reads this like, yep, we get that. Mm. When you get buried in the ground, that's what's going to happen. Mm. And so this was the end of Nebuchadnezzar, but now the language changes. And in verse 12, what is it in verse 12 that tells us that it is no longer talking about Nebuchadnezzar? How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth. You have destroyed the nations of the world. Now, I know in my Bible and probably in, in the King James Version as well, it says, Oh, Lucifer, yes, son of the morning. That's right. So it just it just name drops the guy. It does. Mm. Okay, so uh, I keep reading, actually, next verse. It continues on. It says, For you have said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I'll preside on the mountain of the gods. Far away in the north. Let me read this. Let me read this from uh, the KJV because I think a lot of you will be familiar with the KJV. Uh, where were we right here? How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the grounds? Do you who weaken the nations? For you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Mm. Now what I want you to do is to notice the parallel when you go over to Daniel chapter 4 where you have the vision of the tree and a year later, you know, when the vision of the tree comes, Daniel says, you know, wherefore, O king, my counsel, let my counsel be acceptable unto you. Break off your sins by righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. If it may be a lengthening of your tranquility. Mm. At the end of 12 months, Nebuchadnezzar walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. And the king had spoken and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? Mm. You see the parallel between the two right here and how Nebuchadnezzar is a type of Satan. Mm. It'd be pretty heavy to be a type of Satan, wouldn't it? Yep. Who else in the Bible is a type of Satan? Uh, you? No, I'm not in the Bible. Oh. You know, I thought when it was when I read about the Bible, and it's like you know the wicked shall be destroyed. I was like, oh. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But no, 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 seriously, <laughs> there is another. There's another one that comes to my mind, and mm. maybe you as a listener can can help us out here. Who else in the Bible? Well, we've got the King of Tyre as a type of Satan. Sure. Uh, who else? 
Can we think of anyone else? I've yeah. got another one. Nebuchadnezzar hears type of Satan. Yes, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Tyre. Jezebel. Jezebel, definitely mm-hmm. a, a, a type of Antichrist. Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, ooh, type of Satan. Um, the scapegoat. <laughs> scapegoat. You're good one. Azazel is a type of Satan. I like it. Uh, I like it. Hmm. Here's I'm, another one. I'm kind of racking my brain. Yeah, who? The Apostle Peter. Yeah. That one, that one's a shock, isn't it? <laughs> that one is a shock. Uh, you might be wondering, what on earth is Lyle talking about? The Apostle Peter is a type of Satan? Yeah. Uh, Literally, yes. Yeah, let me just find this for you. Mm-hmm. Let me just look it up real quick. You're going to find this in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 23, where the Bible says, Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Mm. You are an offense unto me, for you savor not the things that are of God, but those things that are of men. Wow. Pretty heavy statement That's right tough. there where Jesus turns around and calls Peter Satan. Mm. Uh, you might be wondering a little bit of uh, context about that. And uh, just to fill in the details as to what was actually going on here. Jesus has spoken about his impending death. Mm. And Peter's like, no, 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 no. You know, Peter began to rebuke him saying, be far from you, Lord. This will not, be, this will not happen unto you. Mm. No, get behind me, Satan. Wow. Okay, so here we've got a very famous passage about Lucifer. The big takeaway from this passage, of course, is that Lucifer had a problem with self. Mm. I will do this. Nebuchadnezzar did as well. I, I, I. It was all about self. Mm. And the lesson for us is to die to self and live for Jesus. Let's not be true to self, as the world tells us. Mm. Let's die to self. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and Lawson. We're going to have... Answers for our quiz questions. Can't find. Wait to find out who the father of Hoppin' Muppin' and Arg was. <laughs> That's right. Answers for the questions. Jesus told the story of the persistent friend who knocked on the door late at night to borrow bread. Three loaves, specifically. Uh, the Son of Man in John's Revelation vision had feet like bronze that seemed to glow as if they were in a furnace. What was the name of Moses' mum? Her name was Jochebed. Fill in the blank. Oh, Taste and see that the Lord is good. And finally, the father of Muppin, Huppum and Ard was not Tuppum. It was, I'm so disappointed. It was Benjamin. So <laughs> shout out. I think out, the just made that last one up. Well, I think so. I think so as well. But shout out Benjamin for being a terrible father. His kids definitely would have got bullied at school uh, for having terrible <laughs> names. Uh, but hey, right now it is time for... Question of the day. All right, Lyle, our question of the day comes from Claire, and she asks, why in the 12 tribes of Israel is there no mention of Joseph? Yeah, really good question right here. Let me read you the story. It comes from Genesis chapter 48. The Bible says that one day, not long after this, word came to Joseph, your father is failing rapidly. So Joseph went to visit his father, and he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. When Joseph arrived, Jacob was told, Your son has come to see you. So Jacob gathered his strength and sat up in bed. Jacob said to Joseph, 
God Almighty appeared appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And he said, I will make you fruitful and multiply your descendants. I will make you a multitude of nations. I will give this land of Canaan to your descendants after you as an everlasting possession. Now I am claiming as my own sons these two boys of yours, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born here in the land of Egypt before I arrived. They will be my sons, just as Reuben and Simeon are. But any children born to you in the future will be your own, and they will inherit land within the territories of their brothers, Ephraim and Manasseh. So notice what Joseph does here. When Joseph basically he's giving his last will and testament, he's saying, yes, uh, my descendants are going back to the land of Canaan, and when they go back to the land of Canaan, the land will be divided up between the different tribes that are representative of my sons, mm. because he was Joseph was the one who was called Israel. And he, he says, I understand that. He says, but with Joseph, what we're going to do is the land will be divided up not into the not into the tribe of Joseph, but into the tribe of your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Mm. What's interesting uh, is that when uh, Joseph brings his sons forward for their blessing and he's about to bless them, uh, you know, Jacob says, bring them closer to me so I can bless them. Jacob was half blind because of his age and could hardly see. So Joseph brought the boys close to him and Jacob kissed and embraced them. And Jacob said to Joseph, I never thought you would see, see your face again, but now God has let me see your children too. Joseph moved the boys who were at their grandfather's knees and he bowed with his face to the ground. Then he positioned the boys in front of Jacob with his right hand. He directed he directed Ephraim towards Jacob's left hand and with his left hand he put Manasseh at Jacob's right hand. But Jacob crossed his arms as he reached out to lay his hands on the boys' heads. He put his right hand on the head of Ephraim, though he was the younger, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, though he was the firstborn, and then pronounced his blessings upon them. And so right there he recognized that Ephraim would be a leading tribe in Israel. In fact, the nation of Israel in numerous places in the Bible is simply called Ephraim. Mm. It was such a dominant tribe, it was called Ephraim. Just as the nation of Judah was called Judah, even though it was made up of Judah, Benjamin, and um, portions of Levi, it was called the nation of Judah. In the north, it was often called the nation of Ephraim. Mm. You find that in many places in Scripture. And so here you find the origin of that. Joseph was not given a tribe. He was actually given two, one for each of his sons. And Jacob said, though that territory will be carried under the name of your sons. And so effectively what you ended up then was 13 tribes. Well, that doesn't work. So what happened? What happened was that the tribe of Levi was given no territory. Uh, They were given six cities to live in, and they were called to be the teachers, the priests, the pastors, the social workers for the nation. That was their job, to take care of the spiritual and social needs of the nation. And so they were separated in that way. What is also very interesting is if you go to Revelation chapter 7, you'll find that spiritual Israel leaves Ephraim out, includes Manasseh, but adds Joseph in. Mm. That's a Bible study for another day, but it's very interesting as to why spiritual Israel has 12 tribes as well as literal Israel, but the 12 tribes are different from each other. As you go through this day, don't forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ.
Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.